Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we are here to talk about all the things going on in Week 10. We finally have all the teams back. No more buys, no more into this stuff. All right, we are all back, ready to go, and I got some awesome guests with me today. I got Chris Wilds, the wild man from the OHIO podcast, and I have Justin Adams from the Nebraska, the voice of college football podcast, here to join us today. I'm super excited about it. I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves, and then we'll get into it. Chris, you want to introduce yourself, tell people where they can find the podcast? Absolutely. I am Chris Wilds. I am from the OHIO podcast. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook at the OHIO podcast. Uh, you can also find us find us on Squirrel and Game on fansided.com, Twitter at the Ohio podcast. And of course, we have our own webpage, the OHIO podcast.com. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Rumble, anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, right here on Big Banner Sports home of the best conference in all of college football, the Big Ten. There we go. All right, Justin, you can tell people about where they can find you. Yes, sir. Uh, first off, appreciate you having me on. And uh, y'all can find me over at, uh, like you said, the uh, Nebraska football at the Voice of College Football on YouTube. Um, you can also follow me at the underscore H-Town Husker on uh, X. Um, and I also have a uh, fantasy football channel called Cheesy Corn Sports. Um, you can follow us there, youtube.com slash cheesy corn sports. We uh, go live Sunday, two hours before the games, answer start sits, take uh, calls, all that trade questions, whatever y'all want to do. We just kind of chat football and, uh, yeah, we have a good time. So. Sounds good. All right. Love it. So before we get into it, I just remind everybody, like Chris said, we are brought to you by Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. You can go there for all your Big Ten media needs, football and basketball. You can also like and subscribe to this podcast. We appreciate that. If you're listening on podcasts, then please go ahead and give us a rating as well. Let us know what you think about how we're doing. And hey, if, you, if you're ever on Rumble, go visit us over on Rumble. Okay, we're over there as well. We put out some content there. We have some nice Rumble friends. So if you're watching from Rumble, say hi in the comments we appreciate you over there all right guys let's get into this okay let's get into our first game this weekend we have ohio state at Rutgers. this is a little bit of a sneaky game i think Rutgers, a little bit of a better team than maybe some people think the odds don't really say it because ohio state is favored by 18 and a half in piscataway uh, but i think this could be an interesting game chris what are your thoughts going into this game well i'll tell you you're not wrong jr you're really not because Greg Schiano has this team playing very good football right now. I mean, look at it. We we are what nine weeks into the season, and these guys are going bowling already. So that's that's something that we haven't seen from Rutgers in a while. Um, they have the ninth ranked defense in the country right now. They have an excellent running game. Second, I believe they have the second uh, leading rusher in the Big Ten as we stand right now. Yep. Um, that being said. I don't think that they're going to give Ohio State much of a game. I think you may see a close game, maybe even leading into halftime. But in the end, I think Ohio State's got the horses that they just kind of run away with it at the end. Um, I don't think, you know, Rutgers really has – Rutgers does not have a great passing game. Uh, and the rushing defense that Ohio State presents, I mean, we've shut down – Braylon Allen and, and caused him to, to lose the ball twice. We shut down Penn State, kept him, I believe, to 59 yards on the ground. That's a great rushing offense there. I really believe that Ohio State's going to shut down that rushing game, make him one-dimensional. One so I, I don't see this being a factor. Interesting. Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts going into this one? 
Yeah, my you know overall on Ohio State, you know the offense uh, does lack in areas, but they play so well on defense that they're able to kind of uh, to counter that. It's winning them games right now. Um, McCord and, and Devin Brown are, are banged up, so I'm not sure um, y'all can y'all can correct me here. I, I'm not sure y'all's thoughts on this, but but uh, I'm not sure if that's going to limit the playbook at all. If they're gonna they're gonna shorten that down. Um, just to just to kind of limit um, what they have to do with those injuries. Um, th- what is the extent of the Devin Brown injury as well? Do you do you have an update? De- Devin's out. De- He's out. Devin, sure. Devin's going to be out. Okay, cool. Kyle McCord. I heard that he did practice he, like he, a little he, bit this yeah, week. Yeah, so getting closer. This week, but, okay. Yeah. Um, but McCord McCord is a go. Yep. And and I still don't know that they have named whether it's going to be uh, Gebbia or or. Uh, Kineholtz, who's going to pa- uh, back him up? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting because I would have to think it's going to be Gebbia, given his experience. Uh, he is a guy who's mobile. Uh, he's yep. fairly accurate passing. Doesn't have the big arm, but you know, yeah, he's efficient. It, it might it might just close the playbook up just a little bit so they can keep Kyle, you know, as as healthy as possible. But um, yeah, I just think you know Ohio State will stop the run well enough. Um, Rutgers does play a very physical style of defense. That's one thing I do notice about Rutgers. Um, they, they gave Michigan problems in the first half of that game. So, but I think, uh, like he said, I think Ohio state just pulls away late. Um, I got a 27, 13 for uh, Ohio state on that one. So yeah, I had 31, 10. So I expect it to be a pretty, yeah, pretty good game up until probably about midway through the third. Yeah, I think it's really interesting going into this game with Gavin Wimsat. I don't think that, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ohio State hasn't really faced a dual-threat quarterback at all uh, this season, right? Nobody of great consequence, yeah. though. Tanner Mordecai would have been, but, you know, obviously he was out uh, last week for Wisconsin. So uh, I do think that's going to be interesting to see uh, Gavin Wimsat's scrambling ability and some of the RPO, the read options, things like that. They're going to run with him. Uh, and I think the Rutgers offensive line is a little bit better than people give it credit for. I'm with you, Chris. I think that eventually Ohio State will pull away. I think they will get some turnovers, kind of force those, and that'll get the offense going a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of like the Maryland game where maybe after the first quarter, we're at, you know, 0-0 zero, zero, or like 7-7, seven, seven, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I do think that the Devin Brown injury is going to affect Ohio State more than some people realize because uh, what they showed with him in Purdue and also against Penn State when he got hurt was that kind of red zone package they were doing. Because well, if you've watched Ohio State, they struggle in the red zone this year, right, Chris? They do. And, and let me tell you another big thing, and we haven't talked about it much, but you know, probably our most physical back is Mayan Williams, and he's done for the year. Yep. yep. So that that is something. I mean, don't get me wrong. Chip Tranum is 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 good, but the, if you need a tough yard, Mayan Williams was going to get it for you. It was Chip that got that yard in Notre Dame, though, right? It was Chip that got that yard at Notre Dame. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, they only had ten players on the field, though, so that helps. Well, you know, Marcus Freeman. <laughs> Marcus Freeman is a disgrace to Ohio State because. Not only did he badmouth them, but the man can't even count to twelve or to eleven, rather. So yeah, yeah. Well, tell us how you really Freeman. feel, Chris. Marcus Freeman <laughs> catching strays on the channel. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's not in the Big Ten. We don't have to talk hey, well yeah. about him. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not uh, a bad guy either. I have 31-17 in this one. I think that Rutgers is going to, you know, move the ball down the field a little bit. But I think eventually in the second half, Marvin Harrison Jr. will find some big plays and they'll open up the offense a little bit more and that will help them to score. Um, I would pick Ohio State to get two or three more field goals if Ryan Day would just take them. But 
Ryan Day Great. treats this offense like, you know, they're going to score every single time. And I'm like, Ryan, do, you do not have the quarterback to do that. It's third He's and one. That offense, though. Exactly. That, like, he, he wants to be that offense, but he, you know, I think he's having a little bit of a hard time with this identity change. Don't get me wrong. I think he's handled it well. Uh, obviously, they're, you know, undefeated, number one team in the country, but I do think he's had a little bit of a hard time not having the quarterback play that he is used to having uh, back there. So, yeah. uh, interesting one for sure. You guys have any more thoughts on this one before we get out of this one? No. Nope. All right, well, let's move on to your rival here, Chris. We got Purdue at Michigan. Uh, Purdue, Michigan favored by quite a bit, 32 and a half. This is an interesting game. Uh, I don't think we would normally talk about this second, but with the cheating scandal going on and trying to figure out, is this Michigan team going to be the same team that comes out there and scores 50-plus points and holds the team to under 10? Uh, or is this Michigan team... You know, maybe without their secret weapon, Connor Stallions visiting Central Michigan this week instead, maybe. Who knows? Uh, maybe without him, are they going to struggle a little bit more? It'll be really interesting to see. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts going into this one? Well, let me tell you, you could basically set the entire coaching staff for this one and let the players call it for themselves. I've seen Purdue in, per- in person. Uh, we went over for the Purdue game. Um, and let me tell you, Purdue is just not a good football team. Um, they're, they're a team that's really struggling right now. Um, I don't think Michigan puts up as many points as everybody thinks. Uh, but that's only because I don't think they want to, they're going to be content with just running the ball all over Purdue. Uh, I've got this one, Michigan 38, Purdue six. Mm. Justin, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, I, I similar to what he said, I don't think Purdue could win this if Connor Stallions was on their side. <laughs> so um, Michigan, for what it's worth, I mean, they look like a well-oiled machine. You know, every week since Jim Harbaugh come back, they've, they've covered every week after they didn't cover any spreads before he came back. They've hit the over in every single one of those. Hudson card is terrible. I'm sorry, just the nicest way I can put it. Uh, last two weeks against Ohio State and Nebraska, under 50% completion percentage. Purdue's decimated. You know, they're they they they're missing three linemen, three receivers. Just nothing really is going to go their way in this game, I feel like. Um, it's going to be a whole lot of Blake Corum, uh, Roman Wilson, and I think uh, it's going to be 40. I got 45-17. I think, I think even though Michigan doesn't want to score a lot, I don't think they'll have a choice against Purdue, and I think they're just going to score a lot. Um, so you and I both have them not covering the spread by a half point then. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not covering, but uh, yeah, I do believe they're going to put some points up for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's unfortunate for Hudson Card. I think Hudson Card is more talented than we've seen the past couple weeks because at the end of the day, uh, Nebraska has a much better pass rush than people give them credit Absolutely, for. Yeah. I think I think Nebraska is one of the best pass rushing teams it's in eight the Big Ten. Yeah. Purdue, I think. Yeah, uh, I think at one point they were leading the Big Ten in sacks. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, we five. They were so uh, you know Nebraska is a much better pass rushing team than people give them credit for. Ohio State is as well, even though they don't have the sack numbers, they have the pressure numbers, those kind of things. Yep. Um, and so it's going to be really, really hard with the pass rush that Michigan is going to be able to display with those offensive linemen out as well. So um, I know that Purdue could possibly get some guys back, and I think that's good. But at the end of the day, um, I'm with you guys. It, it really doesn't make an impact if Connor Stallions is there or not um you know I I think it'll be interesting to see if they do struggle a little bit in the beginning like they did against Indiana I think that'll be a little telling uh but again struggle a little bit is like 
like you guys said, barely not covering. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Stallions has already Stallions has already probably thrown those game uh, game previews for the next few weeks over. Anyways, he probably already had those. Right. He seems like the kind of guy who would work ahead when you have yeah. you know five hundred plus pages manifesto. Um, yeah, he's buying <laughs> tickets to every game. Yeah, he's he's prepared for sure. You know, uh, you know, what's, what's really sad about that whole thing is they didn't need to do no. that. No. in a lot of these games it's so good and and i'll even go as far as to say last year and versus ohio state our defensive backs spent so much time on their backsides instead of in coverage they probably would have beat us last year without it yep. but you know what now they've hung that big question mark over everything they've done for the last yep. two years yep I was, tell, I was telling somebody this on Twitter the other day. If I, you know, I understand Michigan fans defending their team. You know, I get it. You you want to defend your team by all means. You know, I get that. But if it were me, I'd be I'd be pissed off at Harbaugh. I'm an Astros fan, bro. Like I, yeah, I've yeah been like I've been there. You you have the team. You have the talent. You have the best running back in the Big Ten and Blake Corm. You have the best quarterback in the Big Ten and JJ McCarthy. You have you know two time Joe Moore winning uh, uh, offensive line coach in Sharon Moore. I mean yeah. you have a stellar defense. You have one of the best defensive lines in all of college football. In my opinion, one of the best secondaries in all of college football. In my opinion, I mean you have all of this. You don't need to do this. I understand no. maybe you know the big games. You want to try to figure something out for the college football playoffs. But you know, I I hear that they're you know scouting you Minnesota and, and yeah, like yeah, you should have scouted TCU. But I hear they're scouting teams like Minnesota and Iowa. And no disrespect to those teams, but the talent level is just so much greater for Michigan. You shouldn't even need. What's, to what's do the that. risk? Yeah, exactly. well, I mean, there's too much risk in that. I mean, exactly. Just go visit an Ohio State game. Go visit a Penn State game. Those teams that you know. Uh, and for the love of God, don't use your own credit card to buy the ticket. <laughs> Well, I do. I do need to get you guys to pay. Well, let me get my score prediction really fast. My okay. score prediction is forty-two to ten. Uh, we can move on to this, some of this talk about the Central Michigan because I want to get you guys' opinion. So obviously, Josh Pate, he's put all the stuff out there about the sunglasses. Uh, you know, everybody's seen the video with the you know holding the hat down, and that's hilarious, and uh, all those things. Uh, so, Justin, we'll start with you first. Is it Connor Salians on the sidelines of the Central Michigan game? I can't confirm whether it is or not. I'm going to say I, I if it's somebody connected to Connor Stallions, if it's not him, mm, but okay. I am probably I'm going to lean towards it is him. Uh, otherwise, I don't know why he's hiding his face. I I, I really don't know. Like I just, uh, but it, there there's some direct correlation there to him. I would imagine because there's a reason this was uncovered. Um, this particular you know video was uncovered. Um, I think it was a private investigator that's been doing all this stuff. So there must be good, reasonable cause for them to post this video and say that's him, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm leaning towards it is. Ryan Day's brother, Chris? Let me tell you. <laughs> the, these guys. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm me, not sure. Give me your thoughts. Me. Was it Connor Stallion first and then get into the brother? Was it? You know, I I don't know. I um, can't say for sure. There's no want to believe. There. <laughs> There is a major similarity between the two. Yeah. Um, I I just, the brazenness. What is he looking for? Of this, of this team, of, of that team up North, just the brazenness, the stupidity. (laughs) I just, it makes my head hurt. And then for these Fans and their fan base. Oh, it's bad, dude. 
to absolutely be in total denial. These same fans who were yelling for the head of Jim Trussell over a tattoo, the same fans who were yelling for the head of Urban Meyer because of the at-home behaviors of one of his assistants, these guys who, as you mentioned earlier, were were yelling for the head of Mel Tucker, which, you know, they weren't saying let it play out when it was Mel Tucker. No, they wanted this man's head. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, let's let's let it play out. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, yep. even even if it was something they were doing, you know, you could, just, you could get that video footage from anybody. You know, yep. you can go on websites. You know what? The fact is, it clearly states in the NCAA rules, going and advanced scouting in the same season is prohibited. Using electronic surveillance to try to record signs is prohibited. Mm-hmm. It's cut and dry. They did a recent poll. I heard it this morning, the results. They they polled 50 Division One football coaches. The athletic article. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I'm trying to remember what the exact uh, the exact breakdown was but it seemed to me it was something like was it about 40 percent that said this was between a one and a five one being the worst five being the the or yeah, five being the worst up. one being the least it was something like 35 to 40 percent of the coaches yep. said this is a class five violation yep. something needs done these guys and and jim jim harbaugh i mean, don't get me wrong. I do not have a lot of love for Jim Harbaugh. But what I did have at least a little bit of was respect. And when you as a coach go out there as a player, a coach, anything, and you go out there and you cheat the game, yep, you have disgraced yourself. You have disgraced your team. You have disgraced your university. Mm-hmm. Why the University of Michigan itself has not just kicked this guy to the curb? I'm sure it's money. But why they haven't just kicked this guy to the curb and said, you know what? You have just put a black eye on this institution and everything you've, you have accomplished over the last two seasons. Yep. You have humiliated yourself. You've humiliated us. Get out. And the fans, that's what needs to happen. I think the fans fans are in denial. I think they feel like they're, they're so much a part of the university that like they have to defend this too, as if they're in like court for this, but like they were wrong too, you know, like, they you, were. You're, you're, they were cheating. University is about to have to go through this because your coach and your organization couldn't manage what was going on under their thumb, under their umbrella on that sideline. Are they still going to love Jim Harbaugh when those wins are vacated? That big, those Big Ten titles are vacated no. when those CFP appearances never happened in the record books. Are they still going to love Harbaugh then? It's it's kind of like it's it's such a direct correlation to like the Astros situation me being an Astros fan like I was all denial 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 and then it came back and then the the light the you know truth came to light and stuff like that and I was just kind of downplaying it dismissing it like everybody cheats and all this other stuff well then the actual videos came out of the banging the trash cans and all that stuff and then I just kind of had to turn full heel on it and be like nah but I don't give a damn anymore you know so it's it's part of the coping process that they're in right now so I've been through it, and now I'm now I'm on the other side of it, so I can recognize it. it's pretty funny. It makes but. you wonder, though, doesn't it? Was it Bill Belichick that was in charge of Spygate, or was it really Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need to open that one back up. Yeah, my my biggest thing for Michigan fans is like it, 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 I always tell people 
you know, your coach is temporary, but your university is, is really who you root for. It, Absolutely. It, it baffles my mind how we as college football fans basically just like take the coach and just like make them who our university is. It's like, no, your university is more than that. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I understand that like a coach like Jim Harbaugh coming in and basically saving Michigan from mediocrity um, and, and bringing them back, obviously, you know, he's going to be well thought of. He played there, all of those things. Uh, but still like, if your coach has brought this scandal upon you and they've brought this embarrassment upon you, mm-hmm. I mean, he's completely, uh, you know, hurt the name of, of which I kind of think is lame, but, you know, they really like it is, uh, you know, a Michigan man. I mean, yeah. he has completely destroyed that in yep. my mind. You know, you had the Fab Five years ago who who did that for basketball, but, mm-hmm. you know, football has remained relatively clean. And then with all the stuff that's come on with Jim Harbaugh, I mean, I don't think people understand how much wrong Jim Harbaugh has done at Michigan between the recruiting violations, between this, between the story that came out about the player who uh, they essentially cut because of his injury. Did you guys ever read that story? Yep. And he went to Minnesota and he became an NFL player. Like between all of those things, the Mozzie Smith last year, um, you know, uh, Schimbeckler or not, uh, Shimmy Schimbeckler yeah. or whatever early, like all of these things that Jim Harbaugh has been in charge of. I'm not going to say he's he been did one them. scandal after another. Exactly. I, at a certain point, you just have to say, dude, stop disparaging the name of the university. And yeah. I, I, I defending did, him. exactly like, it's easy for me to say, oh, if this was Ryan Day, I'd be so pissed off and, and mad about it. I would love to say that. Uh, but I would think at a certain point, I myself would look at it and be like, dude, you're you're screwing up the university. Just get out of here. You know? Hey, I'm ready to hang out Ryan Day after two losses to that team up north. <laughs> now, you know what? I've had to, I've had to take him backpedal a little bit now. Yeah. I've actually had to rethink this because last year, like I said, I think was a non-factor. But you know what? What was 2021 a non-factor? I don't know. Yep. It's you know it's easy to kind of speculate, and people will say, "Well, Michigan's been so physically dominant, and Michigan has been this, and Michigan, and you know what? They have been. I can't argue that. But you know what? It's a heck of a lot easier to be dominant when you know what the other guy's about to run. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and kind of to your point, like knowing just who your coach is and stuff like that. Like you know, a lot of Nebraska fans don't blame our former coaches um, for a lot of our demise, we blame guys like Steve Peterson, the athletic directors and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, because, you know, like you said, they kind of, uh, you know, grow an attachment to these coaches, not understanding that's not who represents the university. You know, they can still root for their university and hold these people accountable and just be, you know, you know, classy about it and just, and not trying to be like, well, doesn't matter, you know, um, catch me if you can type of deal, you know, or, it's too too far gone now. We don't know how long we've been doing this. All of our wins are legit. You know, it's just right. it's a whole lot of coping right now, and and uh, they they don't know what to say. Every th- every time something comes out, their their whole argument changes. So, yeah. and you know, Jr. Really to blame on this, just a, kind of a last point. Really to blame in all this too is the NCAA and the Big Ten, who after after they have had scandal after scandal after scandal, have done not a daggone thing to goofball. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, that's, I was an RA in college, and I remember my, like, head men's RA telling me, he was like, you know, yes, you're gonna have your buddies in college, but if you just let them get away with stuff all the time, like, yeah. they're just gonna keep getting away with it, getting away with it, getting away with it, like, and you can say, like, oh, that's my buddy, they won't do that to me, but in reality, they're just gonna take advantage of you, yep. and I feel like that's kind of what's happened here with, with Jim Harbaugh and with Michigan. Sorry, Michigan fans, I know you love your coach, and, and I get it, but love your university more than you love your coach. I mean, that that would honestly be my greatest advice to you uh, because your university does come before your coach. Your your coach will come and go, uh, but your university is always going to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. So stand on that, stand on the principles for them um, and, and and stand by your university, you know, putting their foot down to be who they, who they uh, should be. Um, and I agree with you, Chris, it's some of it's the big 10 in the NCAA letting this stuff get away for, for years and years. And eventually you're at where you're at now. So because yep. now their friends are going to have to argue that to the end of time, every yeah. comment section, every, you know, I mean, I hold, I hold some resentment to, you know, Absolutely. toward urban Meyer a little bit for the Zach Smith situation. Now I sure. don't think that situation is completely understood. I think, you know, as we learn more about it, I think it got more complex than people realize. Uh, I'm not going to be an apologist at all for it. Um, but I think it got a little more complex than we realized, but still like that will always be the thought of 2018. And that will always be the thought, you know, for the end of the urban Meyer era, um, that, you know, you had this scandal and, and he, and he had to leave because he was dishonest and all these things. And it's like the dude won a national championship. Like if he could have just left the right way, we wouldn't have to worry about all this stuff. So anyway, all right, we'll move on from here. That's some good Michigan talk. I'm sure YouTube, the algorithm will love that, but, um, (laughs) let's get on to Nebraska at Michigan state. I'll let you start off with this one. Justin, Nebraska's favored by three, uh, Michigan state is on what, like a five game losing streak or six game losing streak at this point. It's not pretty, but Nebraska things are looking up for them in the month of October. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. Um, actually the first, I think October that we've been, uh, I haven't had a loss since 2001 or something wow. like that. It's, it's a ridiculous number. Kind of kind of uh, sad, to be honest. But no, That's the, really good for this year. Yeah, exactly. The defense is playing. I mean, looking at our offense, first off, we have three of our original 11 that were on the depth chart to open the season. Um, completely decimated with injuries. Our starting two running backs on the depth chart are gone. Of course, Jeff Sims is terrible. He's out. Um, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, our top receiver, lost him for a season. Marcus Washington, our most, you know, we had receiver after receiver go down, linemen go down, running backs go down. And it's just been kind of this next man up mentality. And what we have right now is we have these young guys who are kind of stepping into their roles and kind of getting experience and, and getting better as the season progresses. Um, of course, we got Heinrich Harburg, who, you know, what you see is what you get. He is a football player through and through. He's not going to kill you with his arm. He's not. He's not going to quarterback you to death. He's going to try to make plays. He's going to be tough. He's going to be physical. He's going to run the ball, and he's going to try to plow through you and just wear you down. Um, not a whole lot of explosiveness from this offense. Um, Billy Kemp went down. He was kind of our big dynamic uh, young freshman, but we've had some other guys step in. Uh, um, Emmett Johnson at running back had his best game to date. Um, last week, 13 carries, 70-something yards, and a touchdown to close it out there. Um, we had finally a deep ball to uh, Jaden Doss on the uh, the left hand side. Just our first, our first uh, deep ball touchdown. I feel like we've had this year. Had to have been our longest play from seven seventy scrimmage seventy three yards. So that was beautiful to see. The defense tightened up. Run game uh, is fifth best in the nation. Like you said, we're just getting pressure 
with the three three five defense, it's it's a lot of um, disguised blitzing, and I think that's what's making the difference this year. And that's why I think we've made the jump from last year, not having all the sacks to this year, is because the way Tony White has his defense schemed up, he's bringing pressures uh, from everywhere. He's you know the the three through five you have, you know your linebackers can be down. Your line you could have a linebacker up in coverage. It, it's it's all a bunch of moving parts. It's very hard to prepare for, and it seems like a lot of these um, subpar quarterbacks have had a hard time figuring it out and then we've ran to a couple teams that you know we we just weren't able to you know like michigan they're they're too good they i mean they know what we're doing so we're gonna but um but yeah so it's we're not going to beat you with any consistency it's just going to be like we're going to make mistakes we need our defense to make up for those mistakes and if they do that we can win the game our offense is good enough to beat some of these lesser opponents um and I think Michigan State is on a downward trajectory. The Mel Tucker thing has them just on a downward slide. Um, so I, I just think this is a recipe for success. Nebraska's trending up. They're tra- trending down. And um, I think Nebraska has a, a a pretty solid win here as long as the ball isn't turned over five more times. That's the one thing we can't predict is turnovers. So that's the hard part in predicting Nebraska games this season is just how many turnovers are we going to have? I think we had five, four or five fumbles last week. We opened, fumbled yeah. the opening kickoff. Um, it just isn't pretty, but um, getting it done, that all, that's all that matters. And it's uglier at Michigan state than it is at Nebraska. And I'm happy, you know, we're, we're one win away from bowl eligibility, control our own destiny in the West. Not saying we're going to win the West, but it's nice to be where we're at in, in uh, building something. It finally feels like we have a coach that knows how to build, you know, and it, it mm-hmm. looks like feels like we're working towards something finally. So, yeah, I mean, you're tied for first in the West right yep. now. Uh, that Minnesota with... loss is looming large because we had that one in the bag. Oh yeah, I guess that's right. Technically, you are behind Minnesota there. So, yeah. uh, but still, I mean, it, it's the West. It's the wild, wild West in the Big yep. Ten. So uh, you never know what could happen. I I will say I was thinking about Heinrich Hargerberger uh, earlier today, and I know that's weird. To th- probably the most random guy to ever think about, <laughs> but because um, I was actually doing my fantasy football and I saw Taysom Hill was available in fantasy football. He's like a tight end QB. Yep. Uh, well, I screwed up. I dropped him last week. Did oh, you? No. oh man uh but i i was sitting there and i was like you know who reminds me of Taysom hill heinrich harbour man he makes plays <laughs> he he's one of those guys that like i feel like you could randomly just put him at tight end in one of these plays and put yep. jeff sims out there and he'd be able to do it i mean he has the athleticism uh he's not really careful with the ball but I, again neither was jeff sims so it's like he know, actually has a catch on the season um oh, i can't does? remember it might have been the colorado game but they actually did run him across as a receiver and they threw it to him yeah when oh, sims well, was, see i was starting. thinking exactly what, yep. what it was so yeah uh, sims came in and had uh he came in for you know when sims come in came in i was like okay cool like you know we have a big lead let's see what sims can do it came in about midfield um maybe he can like put a drive together it was like fourth and short right um comes in a play we get a penalty backs it up they get a penalty, moves it back to fourth and one, fumbles the ball. They scoop and score. Jeff Sims is out of the game. I don't. I hope that dude doesn't even have a helmet. I hope he's part of the equipment staff this next week. Oh, I don't want that God. dude on the field anymore. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, Jeff Sims probably not going to get another shot. Chris, what's your thoughts on this one? I'll tell you. I, I really like Nebraska. I do. I like Matt Rule as a coach. And one word comes to mind when I think of Nebraska football right now, and it's scrappy. Yeah. yeah. I really think they are a tough, scrappy team. Um, for me, I think that 
like he like uh, you guys were both have said, Michigan State is a team in a downward spiral. Yep. Uh, I really like Nebraska to go out there and handle their business, get bowl eligible this week. I think Nebraska wins this one 28 to 3. 28 to 3. Uh, I like that. What's uh what's your thoughts on this one? Um, the score. Me, I got a 27-10. 27-10. Yep. 27-10. I uh I'm believing in the offense the most in this one. Uh I I got it 31 to 6. So, I think nice. that Nebraska will win this one. I I can't believe that the line on this is is That's insane only three. to me. That's I, insane I, to me. Nebraska's going to cover this. Uh, I don't want to jinx them, but I bet it that just, early. it's a really, really strange line. So it, it right. could just be the unpredictability of not knowing whether we're going to turn the ball over 37 times or not. But still, Michigan <laughs> State, I, I think we would have to just like every time we come out, just hand them the ball for yeah. them to win this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Michigan State kind of reminds me of uh, watching the water boy when uh, Henry Winkler's watching the uh, clip there of the game. He's like, oh, look, we dropped the ball. <laughs> One, two, three. Well, another thing I hear, Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State has another quarterback controversy um, mm. because that Sam Levitt is now uh, they they like him because he played really well at the end of the last game. So uh, I I just don't know what to make of Michigan State this year yeah. uh, with all the. I feel like a dumpster I, fire. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel bad saying this, but it's just kind of the product of what their season is. I feel like yeah. some players are kind of quitting. Uh, I think Harlan Barnett, we are seeing exactly why he never was a head coach and he was an assistant coach for all these years. Uh, you know, props to him for, you know, being an assistant for so long. But, you know, he's just he's just not cut out to be a head coach. Um, and I think the offense coordinator is, you know, terrible at Michigan State. So, um I mean, all in all, this is just not a pretty season for Michigan State, and no. your biggest hope is you can either get Jonathan Smith or Mark Stoops or somebody like that to to come in and and kind of save the program. So, yeah, but good luck. But not gonna, you're not gonna get Matt Rule though. Matt Rule taken. So it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad when uh, Michigan's doing what they're doing, and Michigan State might not be in a better situation than they are right now. <laughs> It always seems like it's this way, where either Michigan State or Michigan is up and the other one's down. It always seems to be this way. You need to so. break off into those lakes over there. And just yeah. The whole right. state. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get on over to Illinois at Minnesota. This one's even closer with uh, Minnesota favored by two. I'm actually really interested in this game. I'm going to uh, watch it. I'm really excited to see what Athen Kaliak Manis can do if he can complete the ball to anybody other than uh, Daniel Jackson, because that seems to be the only guy he's completed it to. Uh, he did complete one to Brevin Span Ford last week, so uh, good for him on that one. But uh, yeah, at, what'd you say? Spreading it out. Spreading it out. Yeah, tight end and one receiver. So, uh, but it do, it seems like it doesn't matter who Minnesota puts at running back. I mean, last week I tweeted it out, but Jordan Newbin, uh, the running back, he had six carries for twenty five yards in the year, and then he goes into that game and he gets forty carries for two hundred yards. I mean, yep. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy uh, that he was able to do that. So, uh, Chris, let's start with you on this one. Illinois at Minnesota. What are your thoughts? Illinois breaks my heart. They really do. I thought this was a team with Brett Bielema, you know, who was really going to turn the corner this year, and they're just not. They they have not looked good this season. P.J. Fleck seems to always find a way to, you know, at least put a presentable product on the field out there. I got to go Minnesota in this one. Um, and, and 
you know, I think it's going to be a somewhat close game. I think it's going to be a touchdown game. I'm going to take Minnesota 28, Illinois 21. Minnesota 28, 21. Justin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, Illinois, man, sloppy, sloppy, sloppy on the field. Um, that game they played against us was about the worst football I've ever seen executed from both sides. Yep. Um, and it's hard for a team to look sloppier than we did that night, but Illinois managed to do that. Um, you know, the run game is getting better, uh, but Minnesota's just doing what they need to do to win. Um, they're not really closing drives out, which is which is hindering them, of course, but right. their passing game finally got something going, like you said, the last game. I think that was the first time they actually passed the 200-yard mark. Um, they, they can take the ball away. I just think Minnesota will be able to control the clock a little better, and I think it's going to come down to just that I think Minnesota may make a late score and hold Illinois, and I got twenty uh, Minnesota twenty Illinois seventeen. So Minnesota twenty Illinois seventeen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that you guys got a lot um, right there as well. It just this seems like one of those games where it's not it's like it's Iowa light, right? Yeah, because <laughs> you know Minnesota they kind of model themselves after Iowa a little bit. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say it that way, but they're kind of like Iowa, but they have better skill players and mm. they do a better job of of spreading it out to some different guys out there. Um, and I think that they have a better overall offense, but I think the defense just lacks a little bit more yeah. than what Iowa's is. Uh, so it's really really interesting to see what's going to happen. I think if Illinois can protect Luke Altmeyer. I do think that he is going to be able to throw to some of these receivers. I don't think they'll get anything deep. I think Tyler Newbitt is too good uh, back there yeah. in the secondary. And I think there are other safety. I'm forgetting what his name is right now, but I think he's really, really good as well. Um, and so I think that Luke Altmeyer might be able to pass, but I, I also just think Minnesota, they, they have a good pass rush as well. And I think yeah. that they're going to take advantage of that. So uh, I think I'm going to go with a 27 to 17 uh, in favor of Minnesota. I think that Minnesota gets some big run plays, and I think that Brandon Spanford catches a few more balls this time, and that turns into a much bigger factor. So, all right, let's move on to Penn State at Maryland. Penn State at Maryland. Penn State is only favored by eight and a half here. I thought they would have been favored by more, but, uh, you know, Maryland, they've lost, what, three straight uh, ever since they lost to Ohio State, they've lost two more. Penn State didn't look very good last week against Indiana yeah. after losing to Ohio State. So I guess there's some kind of curse out there. You lose to Ohio State and you don't look good. Um, so who knows what these two teams are going to look like. Uh, Justin, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I might get a little dicey here on this one. Um, Maryland, for me, is the hardest team to predict. Uh, I don't yeah. know what it is. It seems like they they have explosiveness and dynamicism, and then sometimes it's just not working for them. So, um, you know, Drew Alar had a, had a good game, uh, three touchdowns. Um, but I think it's his styles make fights kind of matchup. I think Penn State lacks really any big playability Um real explosiveness and i think maryland that's their strength you know so i, I think maryland's going to cause a lot of problems for penn state personally um i think talia tagavailoa is going to be able to kind of um work because he, he had three touchdowns a pretty good game last week i just think drew alar is a little bit I, I think he's a little bit too uh simplistic in the way he runs the offense um Maryland can't stop big plays, which is the problem there because they Penn State needs to take advantage of that, and I don't think they'll be able to. Um, you know, good against the run, but just bad stylistically for for Maryland. I actually think um, Maryland wins this one, twenty seven twenty four. Wow, 
That's going to be wild if that happens. Uh, Chris, before we get to you, I want to reference, uh, we had Sonny comment here and let us know that yep, Brett Sonny. Bielema is 9-0 and in his career versus Minnesota. So uh, who knows? Maybe that'll continue to 10-0, or maybe P.J. Fleck will find his first win against Bielema like he found his first win <laughs> against Kirk Ferentz this season. So, uh, But that's interesting. We'll see. We'll see there for sure. Thanks for sharing that, Sonny. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on this Penn State-Maryland game? Well, I'll tell you, I just, I feel like Maryland is a team that's broken at this point. Um, you know, they started off hot. They came into Ohio State 5-0. and mm-hmm. um, Much like that team up north, they had a nice, you know, soft as a baby's bottom schedule um, that I think got a lot of people hyped on Maryland. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I bought into the hype a little bit. Um Penn State's a respectable team. Uh, Aller is not a great quarterback. We've seen that. But you know what? He's efficient if he doesn't have to do anything fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. He, he, he can be efficient. He can get you the, the, the little throws, the dump-offs, the 15-yard things, get it into the hands of his playmakers and watch them work. Yep. Um, I think Penn State defensively is very good. So for me, I think that this one is Penn State 35, Maryland 14, because at this point in the season, Maryland to me feels like maybe not Tagovailoa, but most of the Maryland team feels like a team that's given up at this point. I think I think yeah, one no, of the reasons I think one of the reasons Maryland's hard to predict for me is because um, you know, they still look daunting to me on our schedule as one of the teams that's going to be the toughest to beat. I I don't know. I, I guess part of me feels like that they might um, play up to this game and really just kind of, I, I think part of me is hoping that they'll win this. And then that way, when the Nebraska game comes around, they're not going to get their get back game against us or something like that. So right. um, I would much rather Maryland lose because that would definitely help us um, in the grand scheme of things, the big picture, but a uh, Penn state schedule has been pretty favorable as well. And uh, I'm like, I got to go with an underdog eventually. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think if you're going to go with an underdog, Maryland's not a bad choice here. Um, you know, Illinois wouldn't be a bad choice either. But uh, but yeah, I think Maryland, there's just there's too many things that have to go right for them. Yeah. Um, I, d- I feel like Penn State is one of those teams that they can kind of get dirty and they can kind of win in a few different ways. I really feel like for Maryland, they have to hit big plays. They have to uh, dominate the line of scrimmage, which is going to be really, really hard against this Penn State team. Uh, so that way Penn State can't run all over them. Uh, I just I think there's too many things that have to go right for them. So I am going to pick Penn State 27 to 17. I think Drew Aller finds a couple of deep balls in this one. He's had a deep ball to uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith last week to win them the game versus Indiana. So maybe that gives him a little bit of confidence and he'll throw it downfield a little bit more. Uh, but I think that unfortunately for Maryland, this Penn State secondary is going to be too good. Uh, Maryland doesn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. on their team. So yeah. Jashawn Jones and some of those other guys, they're good, uh, but they're, you know, they're not best in the Big Ten good or anything like that. So all right, let's move on to Iowa at Northwestern, or I guess not really at Northwestern because this is at Wrigley Field, Wrigley so Field, it's kind of yeah. a neutral site game. Uh, Northwestern is winless at Wrigley Field. They lost to Illinois, and they lost to uh, Purdue, I think it was. So uh, they're going to this one trying to get their first win at Wrigley Field. Chris, what are your thoughts with Illinois being favored by five? Well, I'll tell you. I, or Iowa being we, favored by five, sorry. Yeah. We, we, we talk about 
the urge to take the underdog. This is where I'm going to do it, guys. Um, I think that Northwestern, unlike Michigan State, is a team that's handled their adversity this week or this year a little bit better. Um, I think we saw them last week have a pretty good game. Uh, I feel like Iowa is a team that offensively is anemic at best. Don't get me wrong. Defensively, they are great. Uh, But offensively, they are anemic. And that's why we saw the interim athletic director say, you know, call a meeting this week and say, guess what, Brian Ferentz? You suck. You're out. (laughs) Move it on. (laughs) Uh, Move it on out. We'll let you finish out this year so you can say bye-bye to daddy. But uh, you know what? You are done, my friend. Um, I don't see this being a high-scoring affair. I see Northwestern doing just enough to get it done. I'm going to take Northwestern 13 to 10 over Iowa. Wow. 13 to 10 in favor of the Northwestern Wildcats. Justin, you agree with them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, this game will be on the list of games that I will not want to watch, even if there's nothing else on. (laughs) It's going to be ugly. It's going to be really ugly. Um, Yeah, I mean, what, 19 and a half points per game. They're they're allowing uh, 14 and a half. It's just just been a whole lot of... um, ineptitude on offense is the nicest way to put it. Uh, Iowa, for for what they've been, they've never been a good offensive team. For So for them to have an inept offense means things are really bad. Um, they're still sticking to, you know, their, their usual formula, um, good defense and stuff like that. You know, Northwestern um, is very similar, not, you know, not a very good offense, um, but an okay defense. You know, their defense is definitely better than their offense. Um, part of me thinks Iowa... Um, will be able to con- impose their will most of the game, but I do think Northwestern is scrappy, and I think um, they might pull away late or pull it out late. Um, so I'm definitely going to bet the under, but my uh, my score prediction is uh, six to three, and we all lose. No, I'm just playing. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, twenty-one Northwestern, twenty-one Iowa, seventeen. So. Wow. 21. Wow, they're gonna hit the over on the legendary yep. low over under of yep. thirty. I, I, I do never I, take the over in an Iowa game. I can't they never do a thirty hit the though. Over. Like it's ridiculously low. It's the something has to give. I think maybe I just want to see the world burn. I don't know. Yeah. I see Iowa see, score twenty one points. Like you want to see Kirk Ferentz just completely flipping out on the side. My they, <laughs> they, they could have 21. a st- they could have the over at six, and they would find a way to play a three to two ball game. I know I hate Iowa, so I'm trying not to be anti Iowa though. <laughs> trying my best here. No, I get it. I mean, I, I get let it, it go, my friend. Let it go. All right, I'm I going can't my root for the underdog. Um, you know, I I do think the Northwestern is a really good story this year. Um, I think David Braun is finally getting some of the recognition for what he did. I feel like as soon as he won two games this season, it was like, wow, you know, great job, David Braun, because uh, nobody was really picking him to win any more than that Howard game. If they don't um, offer this guy the head coaching job, they need to have their heads examined. He's yeah. done a great job this he season. Has. He has. Uh, David Braun, he's he's in the running for me as one of the coaches of the year. Um, I don't know if him or Greg Schiano is leaving the top three. I thought three. they were toast. I thought they were going to be nothing. Yeah. Um, but the offensive line has played better than I thought they would. I mean, obviously, it's not great, but the run blocking hasn't been terrible. The pass mm-hmm. blocking obviously can improve. But, um, you know, I think that 
Northwestern is a better team than we were given credit for. However, I am going to go with the favorite. I think that at the end of the day, Iowa's special teams is really going to hinder Northwestern here. Tory Taylor is going for the record for the most punting yards in a season, uh, and I think that he is going to have another good game to make that happen. Uh, the dude is just absolutely blasting the ball, almost 50 yards per punt, uh, which is just crazy. Yeah, especially uh, given the number of chances he gets. Yeah, he's got like seven punts per game. He gets a lot of practice. Yeah, he's got like seven (laughs) punts per game or something like that. So it's just like, wow. Uh, And of course, Iowa's not a midfield very often, so it's not like he's like having to, you know, directionalize it or whatever right. to no, no pooch button here no coffin yeah. corners nope yeah exactly coffin that was the booming what i was looking for uh but i do think cooper DeGene probably gets uh, a punt return in this one i think that he is dynamic i think that he probably is reeling a little bit after that minnesota one which we won't revisit that i know everybody's arguing about it and i have my thoughts but mm-hmm. um but i think that cooper DeGene is going to get himself one of these punt returns and i think at the end of the day i was going to be able to move the ball well enough to get a field goal or to uh and they'll win uh 13 to 6 so were you were you saying it's a fair catch or no by the rule I, by the rule i say it says yes but by what they call inconsistency i think it was messed up yeah i i i don't think that his arm was waving enough i i saw it go back and forth twice that, i don't that, think that's enough for you to say like oh invalid because at the end of the day like you could just be like running and like have your arm out there for a they minute. do that all the time players yeah. do that all the time they just decide to call it in that one game so breaking out the rule book and being like well this is the rule but like okay we, we have to be realistic here and be like well they don't call that ever so why is he gonna yeah. think like all of a sudden i can't do this now you know yeah yeah, I posted a picture on uh, Twitter. It was like this kid who was running with his arms just only by his side. I was like, this is how they want punt returners to run from now on. <laughs> you, like, even when you're trying to yell, get away, get away, like your natural instinct is to kind of signal yeah. that, you know? Yeah, no, I think it makes a whole lot more sense when like they're standing still and they're doing like one yeah. of these or whatever. Like, I think that makes a whole lot more exactly. sense uh, than like the I'm in running motion and my arm goes back, you know, back and forth twice. Yep. Uh, but I was telling Minnesota fans, like, I don't take anything away from them. Like the call no. was the call and their defense held strong and they won the game. So their fault. Um, yeah, like I, I think you give Minnesota credit for the win, but I think at the same time you look at it and you say, look, that was a sucky situation for Iowa and they, you know, they probably could have, or maybe should have won uh, whatever you want to call it. But, but then you realize it's Iowa and you move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now the Big Ten West is a little bit more interesting because you have four teams who are tied for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, uh, all right, let's get to the last one here. We have Wisconsin at IU. Wisconsin coming off their loss to Ohio State. They now have their backup quarterback. I don't know the status of Braylon Allen, but it's possible he will not play. Uh, so they may have their third string running back playing. Uh, so the uh, Badgers are a little bit in a hard place here. And IU, of course, can't figure out their quarterback situation. They seem to flip-flop back and forth between Taven Jackson and Brendan Soresby. Um, and I think that they got rid of Jalen Lucas and punt returning last week because of a fumble. Long behold, the new punt returner fumbles the same time. So yep. um, I think the Indiana's spiraling a little bit here. Uh, Wisconsin is favored by nine and a half. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, for me, you know, like you said, Braylon Allen, from what I'm hearing, is probably unlikely for Saturday, which means they're going to have to go with Jackson, uh, Jackson Acker, who I, I think is yeah. service or Acker, who I think is serviceable. Um, I think he had a couple of decent runs against Ohio State. Um, you know, uh, Indy, Indy is just man. 
Tom Allen is the chief of the Keystone Cops of college football. Indiana Indiana can just not get out of their own way. I'm a huge Luke Fickle fan. I think he's going to have these guys ready. Um, I I thought that, uh, you you know, at times – the kid from Indiana, the quarterback, uh, not not Jackson. Who was our other uh, friend? Brendan Sorsby. Sorn, Sorsby. Uh, Sorsby, I thought at times, looked good last week. But then he also looked like he got banged up a bit. So I don't even know if he's an option for him next week. So Or this weekend. So, yeah. you know, for me, I really think Wisconsin's going to win this one. Um, however, like you said earlier, Teams that come off a loss to Ohio State typically do struggle. I think Wisconsin wins it, but I think it's closer than most people uh, think. I like this one, Wisconsin 20, Indy 17. Wow. All right. Justin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I I thought Sornsby um, had his his best game to date um, last week. I'm not sure his status. Um, I didn't really look at that before the show or anything. So I'm I'm unsure if he's injured. Sorry about my dog. You're fine. He's a psychopath. Um, Indiana's <laughs> defense, they're about 90th or below in about every defensive category you can imagine. Um, it's 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 been tough sledding for them defensively. I don't think yeah, I don't think it'll matter that Brandon Allen uh, is out if he is officially out. Um, because I think whoever steps in there is going to be able to run on that defense anyways. Um, I got 20 uh, minute, minute or sorry, Wisconsin, 27, Indiana, 17. Uh, I do think they barely, uh, barely uh, cover Wisconsin does so, but, um, it'll be interesting because Wisconsin has been very inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball, you know, with that air raid coming in compared to what they used to do. So, but I don't think I, against men, uh, Indiana, I think no matter what that offense looks like, I think they're going to be able to just do what they need to, um, against that defense of Indiana for sure. Yeah, I remember back to that Ohio State game when uh, Indiana's defense was playing really well, and I thought, wow, you know, Indiana might have one of the best defenses in the Big Ten this year, uh, but their offense has just let them down so many times. I feel like they start every game playing pretty good defense, and you're like, oh, we see, except for the Maryland game. Uh, but you, you, you kind of see, like, I'm sorry. What, Did uh, I say that? Uh, never mind. Go no, ahead. No, sorry. No. Uh, but I, I was going to say, like, uh, in that Maryland game, it was just a bunch of big plays that, that you know, m- made it wide open there in the beginning. But I think that Indiana at the beginning of the games has a good defense. And then yeah. later on in the game, it's like the offense is just so inept that they get tired and uh, yep. people start scoring on them. Right, right. I mean, it's kind of like what happened to uh, Iowa against Penn State earlier this season. It's 96th like, in penalty yards, too. Yeah, so uh, and that's what happens when you get gassed is you get tired, you get lazy, and you're not able yep. to make the plays. And they don't have depth either, so oh. that's the big thing as well. So I do, I do think that Indiana, if they had a better offense who could keep the defense off the field, I think the defense would be better. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a defense or if you don't have an offense that can stay on the field, then mm-hmm. you know your your defense is going to suffer for it. So yep. um, I'm kind of like you in this one, Justin. I have Wisconsin. I have Wisconsin winning twenty-seven to fourteen. Uh, I think they cover. And uh, I think that the Badgers get right after their loss to Ohio State. Uh, and I, I just don't think that Bloomington is a very uh, tough environment to play. Nope. In, so. And I don't think the fans are overly excited over there for Tom Allen or anything like that. So. And, I, and I agree with him. I'm a, I'm a huge Luke Fickle guy. Um, yep. Luke Fickle was one of the people on my short list of people that I wanted Nebraska to get. So I do believe that they're going to Wisconsin's going to be uh, trending up you know, as well. So 
Yeah, I think we'll have a good conversation uh, here for the next few years of who made the better hire between Nebraska yeah. and Wisconsin because I think both of them were home run hires at yeah. the end of the day, uh, and I think both of them are going to excel, and uh, both of them are going to be up there, have up their teams in the conference for most years. So We have a long uh, time to hear that. Right? <laughs> Everybody thought it would be with Scott Frost, and then he just oh, man. could never win the one score game. <laughs> all, little did we know he was drunk and lazy behind the scenes. Yeah. He got that bag and didn't want to work. Exactly. Yeah. So he should he should have hired himself Connor Stallion to go out there and uh, <laughs> shoot. I don't even know if that could have get got some uh, calls for him. We would have found a way to lose by one score. I promise. Yeah. Connor Stallions would have handed him his manifesto and he'd been like, "I'm not reading that." <laughs> we we didn't allow a, a a first down in the second half to Michigan State and and lost that game. We had a yeah. lead, didn't allow a first down in the second half, oh and God. lost the game. Do our oh punter punted the wrong side of the damn field. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that, it's that has to hurt. It, it, Jaden <laughs> Reed, man, I'll never forget it. That was just kind of the Scott Frost era for you. Yep. So. But hey, on uh, on, on to bigger things. and better things. So with Matt Rule. So. Yep. All right, guys. Hey, that's all I got for uh, everything today. Uh, you guys have any more thoughts about the Big Ten or college football, anything like that? You want to point out? Well, you know, can I can I mention something? And it's not sure. necessarily college football, but it is Big Ten related. Uh, you know, college sports, the Big Ten, um, and in Ohio State, as well as the University of Indiana, lost a legend today. Um, That's right. With the with the passing of the general, so just want to say uh, hats off to the general, and of course prayers out to his family and friends. Uh, you know, he was a true legend in coaching, and uh, one of the just the greatest characters to watch. Uh, you know. Nobody. Will ever, I. I mean, I personally remember the the tr- the chair throws, the uh, mm-hmm. the ball kicks, the uh, you know, the interviews. Oh my gosh, he was such a great interview. So you know, he the the world of college sports is is going to truly miss this guy. Absolutely. I saw uh, Bob Knight highlight reel earlier today with after he passed away, and or the news came out that he passed away, and uh, I just. I just watched it and uh, kind of got a tear to my eye a little bit. So um, it's kind of weird. It, it, it's weird that you know, you get this connected to sports and, yep. and all that goes on. So and it's 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 just a, such a uh, you know it's like I didn't really even grow up um, watching a ton of him. It's just more so like over time you see all the clips, you hear all the stories, you see all the interviews, and and you kind of just learn you know and grow and gravitate towards you know who he was as a competitor and as a person and just. You know, that's a fire that you don't see in a lot of guys. So, um, yeah, it's just a big, big time loss for sure. Yeah, my uh, my uh, mother and father-in-law, they got married around the time that Bob Knight took the job at Indiana. And they're huge, huge IU fans. Uh, and so they were they were kind of going through it tonight a little bit with, yeah. with all that and the memories and stuff. So, yep. Yeah. So our condolences to uh, the Knight family and uh, all the IU fans out there. Thoughts and prayers to you for sure. So, all right. Thanks for bringing that up, Chris. Appreciate it. We're going to get out of here. We will see you all next time on the Big Ten Huddle. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Justin. Have a great night.